Diamond K Talk YA now presents Cress, Part 2 of The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mayer. How's it going? Good. I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm good. I want to hear about your move at some point. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. It, well, it actually went really well. This weekend's been nuts, though. We, like, we closed on we closed on our condo on Tuesday, and then we moved this weekend. And I'm actually at my old apartment because, of course, the internet is not set up at my new place. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I'm kind of crashing here for the night. Well, just for a few hours, actually, while we do this. But the room is completely empty, so I'm, like, sitting on the floor, and there's nothing in the apartment except (laughs) the microphone and my computer. (laughs) And it's, like, echoing around me, so I hope it sounds okay. But I've got some some reverb going on. That's funny. Well, check out the acoustics. Yeah, but no, it went really well. We're we're almost all moved in. Uh, I thought about rescheduling, but... Nothing can keep me from you. <laughs> and reading further along in these books, because things have continued just to get crazier and crazier with these Rampian Rangers. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is our YA fiction podcast, by the way. And I'm K. <laughs> is that what I'm supposed to I'm say? I'm M. <laughs> this is M and K Talk YA, and it's been a long weekend and we're tired. So bear with us. Hopefully you guys are tired too. No, not tired. I don't know. But yeah, so we're finishing up the about maybe third book. Sorry, you talk. <laughs> no, I was I was going to say I was thinking about getting a glass of wine. I just finished one. Oh, I'm so jealous. I don't have any wine glasses unpacked yet. So <laughs> solo cups work, drinking from the bottle. You could just drink it right out of the <laughs> bottle, you know? It's it's been that kind of weekend. Why not? But uh, yeah, sorry, you were saying. I was just saying, just to... You were trying to talk about the book? Yeah. (laughs) So we finished up the third book, and luckily this wasn't a trilogy. It's a... Wait, what do you actually call it when there's four? A tet... A A a quartet. A quartet? No, that'd be three. Wouldn't it? No, quartet... I don't don't really know geometry all that well. (laughs) It's a square. (laughs) Um... Wouldn't it be a quadrology? Yeah. A quartet sounds kind of right. That's for musicians, right? Yeah. It's a duology when it's two, and it's a trilogy when it's th- three. So a quadrology? Quadrology. That rolls off the tongue well. Yeah. And then five would be a pentology, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Maybe I do know geography. Geo- geography. Geometry. <laughs> I, everyone, we're here to talk about math tonight. <laughs> this also isn't a geometry podcast. So <laughs> not history, not geometry. <laughs> we just talk young adult books. <laughs> and occasionally Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Yeah, so we're finishing up Cress. Yeah, which is still your favorite book, right? It still is my favorite book. It, it really <laughs> still is, just because, I don't know, the, I really like, I really love Cress so much. I thought it was going to be because of, at the end, we still, we have Kai back in the, in the group. I know, and now he's part of the Rampian Rangers, so even better. But I guess I'm jumping ahead. A lot happens before we, we get to that point, so... 
Speaking of kidnapping people, when we finished up last week, Kai's had just been kidnapped, right? That's where we left off? Yes. Kai's been kidnapped. The royal wedding has been compromised. <laughs> and we we did get to see part of the royal wedding, which I found really, uh, really exciting, even though it was cut short. Was it just like the British royal wedding? Um, How did it compare? I was almost as excited as I was about the, the royal wedding in England. <laughs> I didn't do anything at work that day, and I baked... A ton of English treats and brought them in for my coworkers, and I just sat blatantly in front of the computer <laughs> watching the online streams. But so was everyone else, so I didn't feel too bad. It was allowed. I don't know. I really liked that part when they were infiltrating the royal wedding because I felt like there was a good role reversal. With like Kai was kind of waiting, hoping to be rescued, and Cinder was the one coming to save him. That's true. That's good. I also just liked how everyone had their role and there were some kind of funny sort of pairings or what, you know what I mean? Like based on their skills or what they could do, we're kind of on these different teams between the Rampion Rangers and not always paired with like the person they'd want to be paired with and trying to make everything happen. Yeah. Like Crest was the hacker. Wolf was her lackluster wedding date. Yeah. They all had their kind of roles to play in order to get the job done. And she was like kind of terrified of him. And then, you know, Erland and Thorne have their own awkward relationship. (laughs) Oh, you know what I was thinking with Erland and Thorne? When he made the eye drops to cure his eyes, it's like tears. And like the Rapunzel story, she cries on his eyes and her tears cure him. And it's kind of like eye drops. I don't know. That's true. And then Cress like puts them in for him. So I thought that was kind of a tie-in, a cool tie-in. That is true. That was a really interesting scene to see, like to realize that your dad basically as he's dying. Dr. Owen has the plague. I know. It's so sad and also kind of fitting. I sort of feel like, yeah, but it's also scary because Lunars aren't supposed to be able to get the plague, right? I know. It mutated. Yeah. So I wonder if Lavana even has any, if she has a cure for Lunars too. Well, so when I was thinking when he got the plague, I was thinking, of course, why we need to give it to Lavana. Like, if Lunars can get it now, like, that could be the whole key to, like, getting her out of the picture, <laughs> which is terrible. But, like, if, if Lunars can get it now, like, she would be the number one Lunar on my list to infect with the plague. Just saying. I mean, she basically gave it to the Emperor, right? In the first place. Not Kai, but his dad. Even if it was indirectly. Yeah, because she was sending them purposely to Earth knowing that they were exposed. It's bio bioterrorism. And I also, ugh, I thought it was, like... Super ironic that the doctor spent his life trying to find an antidote, and he ended up with a plague that he was trying to cure. And then he also worked in the lunar labs, like, as her scientist. I don't know. It was like, it was a very, there was irony there that... I kind of felt like it was a poetic and appropriate ending for him. My biggest thing was just, I felt sad that he didn't have more time with Cress, and that he didn't really get a proper goodbye from her because she hadn't, she didn't know, he was a stranger who had tried to hurt her i mean you know like she was still like not really okay with how they met yeah she didn't know how to handle it because and i also liked how it said that you know in her fantasies it was so easy to say i love you but when it came down to it in the real world she kind of had this realization where she thought this is a hard thing to do you know she had so many mixed emotions going on and i think it was just like a realization to her that the real world is just so much more complicated than it is in her like fantasy land and if you think about like because even if, like, someone's adopted and then they meet their birth parent and they're like, you gave me up for adoption, but I have these great other parents. So, you know, I mean, like, for some people, that's how it is. But it's like, she didn't have an alternative. Her life just kind of 
you know, she was a prisoner her entire life. And when she, and when he tells her about how much he really did care for her and how he begged, you know, Sybil to not take her, it's you have to imagine that she's probably was wondering like what her life could have been if she hadn't been born a shell. Like it all just comes down to something so insignificant as not having a lunar gift that put her in that situation. And knowing her dad eventually escaped anyways and was on earth it's sort of like why couldn't you have done that sooner dad and brought me with you that's true (laughs) why couldn't you have stood up to the witch and taken me to earth like i mean even though i like i mean i sympathize with dr erland and i don't think he was a bad dad you know like i think it was just kind of like a really bad situation and there i don't know what his options really were and i don't think he had any preparation for it and i think especially because his wife basically turned on her too yeah, because we don't really we don't learn anything about the wife's feelings about giving up the baby. Maybe it was just I mean, some winners probably may think that like if they have a shell child, they may not want anything to do with it, which is awful. But like if it's that deeply ingrained in their in their minds that shells are dangerous, they might they might not have the same kind of attachments. I don't know. That sounds hard to believe though if it's your child, but. Who knows? Crazy things have happened. I don't know. Again, I just want to, I kind of want to know more about Luna as a place. Well, we kind of, um, so Scarlet's on Luna. Yeah, and her experience is ridiculous. Oh my God, the part where the centipedes were crawling through her brain, I was like, oh, my sister's going to be listening to this part and gagging, just gagging because of the centipedes. And just like that little kid was so sadistic. Okay, so I was reading this thing today. I was, um driving from South Carolina back to Atlanta and um, reading some, like, funny stories about what people did with their Sims. And it kind of reminded me of, like, what the kids would do to when they were testing out their lunar gift on Scarlet or whatever. Just, like, the, like, people actually have, like, really sadistic ideas. What they did to their what? Their Sims. You know that game The Sims where you'd, like, make a family and build a house and, like, they'd go to school and oh go to gosh. work and, like, they'd you'd feed them and then, like, you know, people would, like, put them in the pool and take out the ladder and then they would drown or like people would just like do these crazy things that sounds like something i would do some of them were really funny but some of them were really ridiculous and part of me was like they're all kind of terrible like why are we like oh we can make anything happen to these people that we want and we like torture them (laughs) yeah that sounds like something i would do when i was like the only thing i can think of is like i don't play video games but when i was like in in elementary school and we played oregon trail and we we you got to go hunting and you knew you could only carry back like 100 pounds of meat to your wagon but i would shoot every goddamn animal that came into my sight like (laughs) like a crazy person And then they'd be like, congratulations, you have a thousand pounds of meat because you shot five bears. (laughs) And then I would just have to leave it there because I wouldn't be able to carry it. (laughs) So I was actually reading this article the other day about like some of the ridiculous things people have done on it. And someone had gotten a message from the video game saying they were killing too many people. They were trying to like create a graveyard. <laughs> oh my God. So they kept, they kept, because every time like someone dies in your game on your property, you get like a tombstone. So they like thought it would be fun to have a tombstone and they killed off so many people or a graveyard and they killed off so many people to get these tombstones that the game like warned them against it. <laughs> oh my God. That is like a message you do not want to be receiving, I feel like. (laughs) You really need to start questioning your life if the video game is like, maybe you're taking this too far. (laughs) Yeah, and that's like, if that person ever grew up, God forbid, and like became a serial killer or something, and they could look back and be like, were there any ever any telltale signs about like, did we see this coming? (laughs) They're like, actually, (laughs) 
I always think about that, though. Like, if people actually looked at my browsing history because of all the shows I watch, and I'm like, can you really do that? Or can people really get away with that? The things I Google sometimes are kind of um, (laughs) questionable. I know. I worry about, like, if I ever got framed for murder or something, because exactly, my Google search is like, how to lock a woman in a tower. And, like... That is one of my number one biggest fears is being framed for murder. Like committing murder and going to jail doesn't scare me that much, but going to jail for murder, or not even just murder, but just being framed for something I didn't do and having to go to jail for it really freaks me out for some reason. Well, that's like, I feel like that's everyone's fear now that like after Serial came out and everyone listened to it, it's like everyone is now terrified that that could happen to them. Yeah, and I think part of it's the scary part, but the other part is I'm, like, offended that people think if I was going to go through the trouble of committing a crime that I would get caught. I don't know why, like, that's, like, my thought process. I'm like, well, if I decided to commit a murder, I wouldn't get caught and go to jail for it. Do you want people to know that you'd be smart enough to, like, avoid detection? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my... Well, I... There's no chance ever that I would get away with it because... I, there's no way I could outsmart anyone like like Gone Girl that kind of stuff like absolutely not N- no way in hell. Well, I mean, I can't even handle if someone near me gets a paper cut, so I probably couldn't really go through with murdering anyone either. But <laughs> it's true. You know what? Our fears are just too many and too irrational to allow us to go that far. <laughs> I had like two of my top three fears confronted this week. It's like the straws and the eyeball, and then the whole thing with the centipedes. Like centipedes are. Also one of my top three fears. Also my sister. And now we're making her relive it again if she's listening to this podcast. Exactly. We'll stop talking <laughs> about centipedes. Let's go back to Scarlet. Yeah, but speaking of Scarlet, okay, I still, knowing that she's part lunar, want that to mean something. Like I want her gift to, or maybe not her gift, maybe it's some weird hybrid thing between humans. Oh, yeah. I want her to have some special skill or some special like lunarness come through. Me too, but don't you think it would have, like, manifested by now? Because, like, she was tortured, essentially. I feel like that would have triggered it if she had something. I mean, I guess if Kai kissing Cinder made her gift suddenly shut her whole body down, then I would think Scarlet's had a moment like that or two that should have done something. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Scarlet's, like, she's really having a bad day. She, like, chopped her own finger off and... Then she was adopted by that sadistic kid. And now she's with this, like, Princess Winter character who's a little loopy. Just a little bit loopy, yeah. (laughs) A few Fruit Loops short of a full bowl, as my dad would say. (laughs) It is. I mean, I think that's why I, like, want her to just have... She needs some good luck. She needs something to go right for once. But hopefully Princess Winter will help that happen. She seems like she's kind, though. You know, she doesn't seem like she's sadistic like the other kid i mean she's going crazy because she hasn't used her lunar gift right yeah which is hard enough for any lunar i think but especially i would think being in that kind of environment where like in the court where it's especially celebrated and exercised and whatnot yeah yeah i mean I also think it's kind of a cool statement though like she's kind of in this interesting position being a princess of sort of making I don't I don't think she's making a political statement necessarily but I feel like she could be kind of making a statement um kind of with her position of influence in some way yeah because it really shows a lot of strength to like to not use your gift because you know you're doing it at your own detriment like it's not like a mystery that it makes you go insane if you don't use it 
So I think it's it shows a lot of strength, and I think it it stems maybe from her unwillingness to be like Lavana, mm-hmm. which is really you know admirable. Um, whereas like Cinder, I feel with her gift, she's like almost coming more and more like Lavana, which is like a little bit scary. Yeah, but it's also got to be so tempting. Like I assume Winter. I mean, they've, I'm curious to hear more about Winter's backstory because I bet there's a reason why she doesn't want to use her gift and whether it was Lavana or something else that happened to her. Like I, That's true. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I want to know why she decided all of a sudden not to use it. Because there has to be a reason. Because otherwise, like, to withhold using it, knowing you're going to lose your mind, like, they're better. They're, yeah, there has to be a big reason for that. Also, there could be some really funny parts with her losing her mind. I'm kind of looking forward to some <laughs> humor there. But yes. I can't I can't imagine that. Like that's one of I think I don't know. Even if I like morally stood for something or 100% believe something, but if I started going crazy as a result of living that way and I could do something to change that cuz even if she just like changed her hair using her gift, wouldn't that count? Yeah, can't you just do something completely innocuous? Like, I don't know. Glamour and animal, like, glamour, not that I don't believe the animals matter, but like, you know, do something that's not hurting anyone, and then at least you can keep your sanity and not have to deceive anyone. But I guess, looking at Cinder, though, it is really hard to draw the line once you start using the gift, because there are, there are reasons to use the gift for this, like, greater good, you know, I mean, she's, when they're trying to, like, save Kai, but then, you know. When she, like, confronts Audrey, you know, and she goes to the house when she, you know, steals the invitations. And that mm-hmm. moment where she, like, forces her to feel guilt for the way she treated Cinder. And then she leaves and she realizes that, like, it didn't accomplish anything. Like, she's, Audrey still doesn't love her. She just did it, like, for her own satisfaction. That was kind of like, ooh, that's something Levana would have done. Yeah. It also made me so sad for Cinder that I'm still, I still do not understand how her stepmom could not feel any love for her at all. Like, I agree, Cinder should not have guilted her. Like, that was an abuse of her power, and she could be going down a dangerous road. But I also still feel she's a 16-year-old girl, and this woman was so terrible after raising her in her household. I don't know. I know. But then, like, we also learned more about the Cyborg Protection Act, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of gave us a little bit of a backstory with the prejudice around cyborgs. So, like, they said that there were these quote-unquote crimes that these cyborgs committed and because of the violence they um, started you know the cyber protection act which made cyborgs essentially property of their owners and gave people control over them because they thought they were dangerous so I mean maybe that explains it a little bit like she really just didn't like that she was cyborg yeah maybe I don't know although I wish we like knew more of these crimes that these cyborgs were supposed to have committed like I wish it was a cool bit of history but I wish we had more so we could get a fuller picture and even if it really was like an actual like were the cyborgs really the problem or was it another case of like Henry Stump scapegoating happening in the world exactly yeah exactly yeah but man she I mean Cinder really is she really is learning how to use her gift uh in harsh ways yes did that fight scene at the end where she takes on Sybil I know I mean I don't know how I felt about it because like yeah Sybil is not a you know she's not a great person we wanted her to be taken out but like did she have to go so far like I mean we needed her gone and it's scary I mean I don't know I kind of feel like 
it's something she would have done to anyone else. Sybil would have if she could. So no, but it doesn't make it right. Like she threw her off. A, she makes herself throw herself off a roof, I know. and tortures her for like you know an extended period of time in her mind, just because she can. But did she even really know what she was doing, or was she just trying? Like I don't. That's a good question. You know, like I think I think a lot of the thing that's kind of scary for Sunder too, personally, is kind of fe- she doesn't really know how to use her gift or what it can do or what the repercussions of it are. Maybe she lost control. Yeah, and I think she was just probably scared, worried about her friends, and probably directing some of all those emotions into that act. And it could have been worse. You know, she could have put her through a werewolf trial or something. (laughs) That's true. She could have broken all of her limbs with an axe head. (laughs) Although, I don't know. In some ways, it's kind of even scarier that the lunar gift can affect your mind and how you see the world and how you see yourself and what you're feeling. Like, the idea that... I mean, I, I know in torture, people do a lot of like mind games and can mm-hmm. you know make you go crazy. But all the torture that we can do in real life isn't actually like going inside someone's mind and forcing them to feel or think or do something like that. Yeah, or like create create illusions so strong that you don't know what's real and what's fake. And like illusions that are not only visual, but like sensory. So like, well, I guess visual sensory, but like they can feel physical pain because of these illusions. Like, that's what blows my mind. It's not like they're just seeing things. They're feeling them too, which is just like a whole new kind of torture. And even the fact, you know, like when, I forget, this is like a lot earlier, I think, but when Kai, uh, or when Lavana made Kai feel, or I don't even remember who, but like someone was using the gift on someone and it's like, even though they know that can happen in that moment, they can't, like, you're not even like aware that you're being tricked until it goes away. Right. She made him feel, like, love for her a little bit. Yeah. And he was really disgusted. Because that's, like, yeah, your mind's, like, the one thing that's supposed to be private. And it's such an invasion to, like, be able to control what you're thinking, feeling, seeing, feeling. Like, it's too it's too strong of a gift. No one, no one should have that. I wonder what being a detective on Lunar would be like. Because you could never really tell if someone, like, did something or if someone else made them do it or if someone pretend that that someone else made them do it yeah that's true i mean how yeah how does crime work like how how do they solve crime how do you hold people accountable for what they've done i have no idea maybe we'll learn well it sounds like you just cut people's fingers off if you feel like it that's true force them to cut their fingers off if you feel like it i guess that was the judicial system in on luna (laughs) when you do something wrong you just mutilate yourself or force to mutilate yourself we're really taking um a note out of these grisly fairy tales we're reading and focusing on all the torture and (laughs) and whatnot in our description today it always comes back to torture katie (laughs) do you want to talk about um the the kissing instead (laughs) okay Speaking of the rooftop and the torture scene, uh, Cress had a slightly different experience than Sybil. She finally got her kiss. I know. I really liked that. I mean, I just liked it because it was Thorn, but you know. I know, but I just liked the way when he was like, just, it's a, such a dire situation and he still made it seem funny because he was like, describe to me what's happening and she does and he's like, yep, I think it's time. <laughs> yep, we're about to die. I guess I promised this would happen before you die, so I'm out of excuses now. I keep my word, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just, I I really found that charming. And then Cinder gets a kiss, too. Yep. Finally. Except poor Scarlet still does not have, or doesn't have a kiss right now. I guess she's had one, though, so it's okay. It is kind of funny when you think about, I feel like so many kind of trilogies, especially for this young adult audience and whatnot, when there's, because there is still, like, a lot of romance in this. There's We've got kind of three couples going on right now, but none of the 
competition over a girl or over a guy it's not 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 the love triangle side of it it's kind of refreshing in that sense oh yeah thank god so many young adult books have love triangles and it's just so overdone especially because all of these women and all of these men are so different that each pair makes sense and it wouldn't like you can't really imagine Cress and Sender falling for the same kind of guy Yeah, yeah and I really like that they're not there's no competition among women yeah. for the same like you know I I really do like that although I, I we need a love interest for Eco. we do and I want to and I'm you know is it a cyborg is it an android is there another android with a personality defect that she'll find is it like someone on Luna is it I don't know I don't know it would be unfair if she didn't end up with someone no because she's the one who believes almost the most in all this romance stuff I know they're the ones who, who like, oh yeah, are the most infatuated with it. I guess that's the closest thing we do have to a love triangle, but her and Cinder are such good friends, it's not really, and obviously Kai doesn't feel the same way about her, but yeah. she is such a fan of Kai. <laughs> I know, I know. I also think it's funny how <laughs> all the girls are shooting their princes now because Cinder like, shot Kai when she was trying to kidnap him. <laughs> It's just fantastic. Like, all the princesses are shooting their princess. <laughs> that's true. That's that's how you know it's true love, you know? You, you know it's going to last and you're in a long-term relationship when you shoot each other. It was it was paintball. That time we went paintballing that you knew with Chad, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That was, <laughs> that's probably the closest we've come, we've come to shooting each other. <laughs> but Chad couldn't even bring himself to shoot anyone because, like... That one, like, Alicia was just, like, wandering around in the open, like, not even troubling to hide. And he was like, should I, should I get her? No, I can't. He, like, couldn't bring himself to shoot any of us, <laughs> which was sweet. I think he, like, friendlyly, friendly, fr- in a friendly way, yelled at me at one point. And he was like, you're not even trying to hide. I was like, I don't know how to work my gun. He's like, come here. <laughs> Please don't make me shoot you. <laughs> Oh my god. That was like mm, probably one of the top three most painful experiences of my life because I kept asking people like, okay, like, does it hurt really hard? Does it hurt really badly to get hit with one of those things? And they were like, no, it's like getting snapped with a rubber band. It it was not like getting snapped with a rubber band. I had bruises. I had so many bruises after paintball. I bruised like a peach, which didn't help, but I looked like I was abused or something. I looked like I had just been tortured like Peter Stump. I remember like being happy to have an excuse to sit out. Like, remember with when Robert needed to sit out, and I was like, "Yep, I'll I'll sit out too, just to make sure he's okay." <laughs> oh, when we were like in the village, the village thing was really cool when they like built that town up. I felt like I was in The Walking Dead. I think I was just also frustrated because I thought I would be better at it than I was. <laughs> I thought I would be braver than yeah. I was. Like once I found out how badly it hurt to get hit, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being a lot more cautious now than I thought I would. Though I did get to army crawl with Allison like up the hill when we played <laughs> capture the flag and we used like hand motion. We'll have to have a redo when I'm wearing lots and lots of protective oh, layers. I know, I know. It was way too hot for wearing as many clothes as we had on. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I, I thought I would be a braver soldier and I... I really wasn't at all. Again, why I would not be in Dauntless. I can't even handle paintball. <laughs> I think that's why it's also fun to read these books, though, because it allows you to kind of live those lives that you wouldn't maybe live even if you were there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, speaking of living lives from these books, this isn't really related, but I'm going to go with it. So okay. I had a dream the other night about Thorn, which is shocking. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Well, it wasn't just about him, but I think it was after we were talking about the, um, you know, how in the Rapunzel story, she ends up having twins. I had a dream that I was a detective and I was like following this one twin had gone missing or something. So I was trying to find her. Like that was my detective assignment. I was trying to find this girl's twin. And when we found her, she had like lost her mind and like winter yeah kind of like winter actually and she was saying something about how like to her mom and dad she was like you're not my mom and dad it's thorn and um rapunzel or something or it was something weird like that and i was like whoa i'm having dreams about twins coming out of this whole thing oh my god (laughs) you know it's bad when you start dreaming about this i have a lot of really elaborate weird vivid dreams though so it's not entirely shocking (laughs) you know i I actually really want to be a detective really really badly i do too like like, enough that I, Chad and I looked up, like, what it would take to become private investigators. And unfortunately, it's, like, three years of school, and then you don't get paid anything. So our dreams were, were crushed to the ground. But I read this article the other day. It was about a guy who had, like, invested in a private detective agency or something. And then his partner, like, who was the actual private detective, passed away. So he just, like, owned this private detective agency and was there. And then people started showing up asking for help. So he just started private investigating for them. But he didn't know. Why not me? He didn't know that most people or, like, most real private detectives turn down all these, like, crazy people who come. So he was just taking on these, like, kind of crazy cases from, like, regular people who, like, wanted him to, like, see what their cat was doing at lunch and, like, stuff like that. <laughs> I feel like she's turning on the TV and watching explicit movies. <laughs> She wanders the neighborhood and says hi to the other cats. I don't know. Yeah. I actually was writing, when I was writing in my notes about Scarlet, I take like really extensive notes when I um, read the books and I (laughs) was starting to write like I was a freaking detective because I was, (laughs) it's all like the elaborate fantasy is really playing out with all the research we've been doing because I was reading about Scarlet when her dad gets when she finds out that her dad's dead and they say it's from alcohol poisoning. And I was like, in my notes, I, I was reading back and I wrote, Scarlett's dad uh, died from alcohol poisoning. And then beside it, I wrote, suspect foul play. <laughs> such a nerd. I'm like starting to write like I'm actually a detective, like trying to figure out what's going to happen in these books. Next, we're going to see you with like a detective hat and, you know, whatnot walking around banjo will be like my little hound of baskerville beside me we just did another escape the room with my cousins this last weekend and so i felt kind of detective like as well during that those are so awesome the zombie one we did was such a blast yeah no we have to like describe that one because it's so i haven't done a room like that before or seen one like that before or besides that time but there was like a person pretending to be a zombie in the room and every five minutes they'd get like extra chain yeah. to reach out to us. So we had to like avoid getting eaten by the zombie because then we couldn't participate anymore. And at the end, we're like at the very corners of the room, like throwing things back and forth to make sure we're out of the zombies range. It was awesome. And remember like Lauren was at one point standing on her tiptoes to try and escape the zombie because he was so close. She was so close. And she was, like, up against the wall trying to jump away from it. Yep. And the zombie was, like, easily distracted by loud noises and stuff. So we would start, like, <laughs> playing games with it in the corner to try to, like, make it not pay attention to other people. Wasn't someone singing songs, too? I think so, yeah. It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. And we got out, and there was only a 30% escape rate. So I was really proud of us. Yeah. We'll have to see if there's an escape room where you can try and defeat Lavana. Oh, God. Miss Universe. <laughs> She's, it's not, so it's not quite the universe, right? Because it's just like Earth and the moon. And That's true. It's like, so she's like queen of the, of, uh, 
like the Earth's orbital dominion or something like that. <laughs> That's her full title, Queen of Earth's <laughs> Orbital Dominion. Is that even, would that include something else? I'm not sure. No, that's like exactly what it is. <laughs> I don't think we're going to go to new planets, you know, in this book. It's just the Earth and the Moon, and that's all we know about. We should make business cards, or maybe more t-shirts. Can we add this to the t-shirt line? Like, I want to rule Earth's orbital dominion. Yeah. <laughs> Please, let's. Although, you know, in recent current events, we now have six new planets uh, that we discovered. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Which, like, was kind of funny that we were reading the Lunar Chronicles when that happened. I really and like how, a couple of them are they said would be habitable, right? I think I think I read that. Yeah. I really want to crowdsource the name so that we can we can vote on what we name the planets, like a worldwide vote. Then we'd end up with something really stupid, wouldn't we? Yeah, we'd get like a Planet McPlanet face, <laughs> like they did with the vote. Because I would totally vote for that one. Like, there's no way I would not vote for that one. I actually, I don't even think I could come up with, like, a cool planet name. No, they'd probably name it after, like, a Greek, another Greek god or whatever, just to keep them all in line. But, I mean, could you imagine if they just let the world loose and came up with their (laughs) own name? Unfortunately, I can't imagine, and that's what scares me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. Should we tell people um, about winter now? This new book we're going to read? Okay, so as we've talked about, this isn't a trilogy. It's a, what, what do we call it again? A quadrology. A quadrology, mm-hmm. exactly. And so we just finished up book three, and the next and final book in the series is book four, and it's called Winter. And judging by the cover, what do we think the uh, fairy tale is? I think it's about Snow White, because there's an apple on it. And I've already been thinking Snow White in general when I'm hearing parts of the story yeah. you know, that we've already heard for these three books. Like, there's definitely some Snow White references. Yeah. But here... Okay. Well, are you going to read the back? <laughs> yes. Okay. You know I hate reading out loud, so just bear with me. I won't touch. Okay. Princess Winter is admired by the lunar people for her grace and kindness. And despite the scars that mar her face, her beauty is, seen, is said to be even more breathtaking than that of her stepmother, Queen Lavanna. Winter despises her stepmother, knows Lavanna won't approve of her feelings for her childhood friend, the handsome palace guard, Jason. But Winter isn't as weak as Lavanna believes her to be, and she's been undermining her stepmother's wishes for years. Together with the cyborg mechanic Cinder and her allies, Winter must, or might even have the power to launch a revolution and win a war that's been raging for far too long. Can Cinder, Scarlet, Cress, and Winter defeat Lavanna and find their happily ever afters? Fans will not want to miss this thrilling conclusion to Marissa Mayer's national best-selling Lunar Chronicles series. Oh. That was actually the Amazon description, not the back of the book. So if you were looking at the back of the book, that might not oh, have been Oh, that same. sounds really good. I'm excited. But it's it's super long. Uh, oh, how long is it? Uh, it's like 800-some pages. <laughs> so get reading. Okay, I'm going to start now. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. Oh, and we're going to read up through... up. To book three, right? Yes. Let's do that again. And I think that's page 338 in the paperback version. Okay. So stop when you get to book three. Sounds good. I'm so excited. I know. Except I also don't want it to end, but I also want to just keep reading it. But they're act- I mean, we know we have that graphic novel that's out and we there's actually a prequel and a collection of short stories too. So we can still live in this world a little bit longer. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> All right. Um... Oh, don't forget to tell me a joke. Oh, yeah. Okay, this one's kind of dumb. That's all right. I have been in like a 
I don't know. I was watching Westworld, and then I was thinking about Jurassic Park, and then I was thinking about dinosaurs, and that's where this joke came from. (laughs) Okay, we have a backstory. (laughs) And also, I thought this was kind of fitting because of Thorn, and you know how I love Thorn. So what do you call a blind dinosaur? I don't know. Do you think he saw us? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is from Jurassic Park. (laughs) The little kid tells it. And then doesn't he say, what do you call a blind dinosaur's dog? Uh, Do you think he saw us Rex? (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't even remember that. That's hilarious. Well, Jurassic Park is one of my top three favorite movies, so. I really love the book. I've only seen the movie once. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Can we have movie night where we watch that? Of course. Okay. (laughs) Come back to Chicago and we'll have... We'll have a Jurassic Park movie night. I'm totally down. I'm looking up flights after we get off the phone. Okay. <laughs> right. And on that note, um, bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.